Magic Numbers. This is episode number 41, uh, Ducking Around with Carl Chase. We are going to dive into personal data of two that cubed, uh, a streamer, a limited grinder, uh, a podcaster, uh, uh, and we're going to look what he was doing during the streets of New Capena and try to figure out where their mistakes made, where their strokes of genius involved, and um, uh, how did his streets of New Capena experience look like altogether. So, um, yeah, without further ado, let's start. Um, first of all, thank you very much for coming, Carl. It's always amazing to uh, work with you. You know that we, our brains operate on very similar frequencies. That's how we met, basically, by for having sure. multiple ideas that were exactly identical in terms of looking at uh, 17 lens data, and then we collaborated with some things uh, on that uh, axis. But of course, the difference is that um, um, uh, I can do the data, but I can't play as well as you do. And that's why we have you to analyze your play patterns and uh, how you shuffle and um, uh, well, and, uh, the, and the difference the is I, I spend my extra time just jamming more drafts and you spend time actually doing cool things with data uh, as opposed to I, I have I have more recently not done nearly as much with uh, with data things as I was. Uh, in the past, but I I've been, I play and I and I do the podcast, and th those are the main things I've been focusing on recently. But uh, yes, we definitely we definitely have similar ways to uh, think about things and, and and approach to to experiencing uh, and analyzing data for sure. Yeah, I have to say I shed a tear when I saw how many drafts you managed to jam while having the even more complicated family structure situation than than I do, and still managing to find time for that many drafts is quite impressive. Uh, really, it should have just been more sleep, but you know. Oh yeah, no, the sleep. I think that we both um, uh, uh, neglect that <laughs> part of our lives. Like I probably average six five uh, hours a day. Yeah, I'm I'm right in that range for sure. Mm, yeah, that that that's how we do it. That's that's how we manage to find time, neglect ourselves, but that's fine. But okay, uh, would you like to maybe introduce yourself better than I did and fill in the gaps that I didn't fill? Sure. I mean, you know, I think a lot of you guys uh, know, I mean, if you know Cirque, you probably know me. Uh, you know, I, I kind of uh, came onto the magic scene a little bit by doing some uh, like wins above replacement type data analysis with, uh, this is back in call time, um, and, and got a little bit of a following on Twitter. Uh, I'm now, you know, do a podcast with uh, G Guards over a Mystical Dispute. Um, but really, at, at the end of the day, I just love drafting. I, I love playing. I, I'm, I'm very much a spike at heart. I'm at heart. I'm a competitive person. Um, I, I enjoy trying to get as far up the ladder as I can. Um, and so, you know, when it comes down to it, for me, a lot of the analysis about data is just trying to find little nuggets of, uh, you know, information that I can use to get better. Um, and, you know, so typically my approach, especially early on in a set is, you know, see what cards have good win rates, try to draft the good cards, but then use my play experience, uh, by drafting those good cards to figure out what other strategies work around those good cards. And that's typically how I start to learn a, a set. Hmm. I think that you also, because I mean, we could have analyzed uh, what we analyzed and just kept it in the drawer and uh, use it for our own advancement. But I think that you do have some sort of 
idea that uh, if you do that analysis, why not share them? Why not give people access to the same tools that you have? So uh, you're not hogging your knowledge. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I love talking about it. I mean, that's that's what's been a lot of fun for me in the podcast. Now is you know it's a it's a general limited form podcast. We do incorporate data a lot and try to figure out you know what what can we learn from data and and that gives me a forum to to share a little a little of my thoughts even if I'm not doing like you know articles and threads as much as I was uh, about a year ago. So and yeah, I have to. Um, uh... If you don't know Mystical Dispute, I strongly recommend you start knowing it. Like, an amazing thing about it is that it's a very short form uh, podcast, so you can squeeze it in almost into any kind of commute, even if you have to walk the dog or something. And still, it is pretty packed with information based on the, like, I can't probably say anything useful in less than two hours. And Carl and Gigars <laughs> managed to do it in 20. So that's uh, amazing. Uh, magic of editing. Uh, so oh, well, that, Garrett, that, that's Garrett all Gigards. I know that. that. That's right. I know that for a fact that all the editing that's Gigards. You can't claim that one on yourself. <laughs> no, I do. I have. No, I, I literally don't even know how to. I could not do it if I tried. If 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 Garrett decided to quit, then mystical dispute would would poof into smoke. So glad he's around. Yeah, that, and or or be very much longer. Hey, yeah, or just be me droning on. <laughs> But okay, let's start with them. Uh, well, what what do you expect from that? I mean, I took every single piece of data I could squeeze out from the 17 lands and I tried to analyze it to my best ability. So what do you hope to get out from looking at your own data? Because it is know. a bit, yeah. I don't even know. I don't, I don't even, I mean, I, I watched the, the court episode, uh, but uh, I, I mean, that was two or three weeks ago, and I swear I can't remember what happened yesterday at this point uh, with everything going on. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to be uh, surprised, and I'm, I'm prepared to. I just I want to see what you're you're able to come up with. Well, I mean, I I won't come up with that much. To be fair, I will heavily lean on your introspective, sure. but you're going to be laid bare there, like. We will see things that maybe you didn't know about yourself and you will have to react to them live. So uh, hopefully it will go down well. I know that you're a pretty cheerful person, so I don't think you will hold the crutch against no. anything. And obviously oh, no, I'm, not. Not, I'm not going to slaughter you there, but it's some, some things that are definitely interesting and it will be very interesting to see your reactions there. That's I... If I, if I'm gonna say if I'm gonna uh, be critic or uh, critical, I'll be critical myself when I can. But to give myself props on something, I think I do deal well with constructive criticism. So so throw it at me, uh, you know. Uh, throw the throw That's the different thing podcast. at me. Uh, you know, let me know. Let me know. <laughs> let me know all the faults that you found and all the, like you said, all all the the anything out there. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to react. Let's see. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll try to I'll try to make you admit the faults. I'm not going to say anything bad about you. All Come right. on. All right. We'll see, <laughs> All right so let's go. Do. Let's let's start with the uh, let's start with the data crunch, um, where we're <laughs> going to look at how many uh, how many drafts am I analyzing and uh, all the numbers related to you. So basically, I took all the drafts that were there in the system from 17 lands. Uh, you started on the 30th, 30th of April. You played your last draft that I have data for on the 14th of June. I knew that you had a holiday and you stopped playing for that period. Um, there's 123 drafts in total that we looked at, uh, 857 games uh, that you played in Streets of New Capena. You drafted, or no, you drafted more cards, that's for sure, but uh, we logged 5,125 cards that you drafted. 
and you had a very respectable uh, win rate of 62.3%. And also to those that uh, think, well, that's not so much, you have to keep in mind that roughly 70% of those games were in Mythic. So uh, keeping up that kind of win rate while being in Mythic for majority of the time is an impressive thing. And in that time, you drew exactly, and this is not a rounding, it's an exactly... 15,600 cards, which is uh, relatively in paper, that would be around 28 kilos of cards uh, without the sleeves, even. So uh, that must be like 500. That must be like 500 pounds. Um, no, 78, 28 kilos is uh, I don't probably know, that, something that, like 50. Uh, whatever pounds. details, details. 50 pounds there, I'm, I'm, but I'm, I'm not doing imperial. I, I refuse to. <laughs> um, so these are the numbers we're going to be looking at, and. Um, I basically divide the seminar into uh, several portions that uh, basically go step by step in the process of drafting. So I start with the draft itself, and then I will be talking more about the actual gameplay, uh, the win rates of the cards in play, and um, and things like that. But I start with the actual drafting por uh, portion, so we'll be talking about which cards you draft the most, uh, which cards made the deck most, um, because, you know, drafting a card, if you don't play it, is not such a great success. Uh, uh, and some cards are, you know, almost always making the deck, some cards not, so it will be interesting to look at um, which ones are which. Which cards do you almost snap pick when you see them, and uh, what percentages of your first picks you played in your deck? That's, I think, okay. is an, uh, another interesting uh, piece of um, information about you there. So basically, right now we're going to the data portion, and I'm going to ask you the question before we go to the data, and then I would ask you to give me a couple of examples of commons and uncommons that you think you drafted the most, and then we can look at the commons that you drafted the most and uncommons that you drafted the most and see how that um, uh, looks like and uh, what picture can you draw from that. So... Um, I know for a fact that Majestic Metamorphosis is my mo most drafted common. Cheater. Um, and I'm not. I'm not currently looking at the list, but I mean, it was it was a it was a runaway number one. So I, I know that for a fact. I, I love that card. Uh, and and think despite its solid win rate, it was underrated. Uh, I mean, generally, I know I, I for a healthy portion of the set, I was like blue is the most important color to me, and like trying to figure out whether that that color was open. Uh, yes or no would, would dictate a lot about uh, about the draft. So I'm sure Run Out of Town is up there. Um, and what else would be super high? Rafine's Informant's a little bit harder to get, so it's probably not Rafine's Informant. Um, maybe Make Disappear? Okay, we're going to see. And, and in terms of Uncommons? A little chat is probably high because I like that card better than most people did. And uh, let's see, what other uncommons did I like better than? I mean, the there, there is a black two, two drop that we heard. Uh, not Tavern Swindler, no. Um, out of the way is probably up there, and maybe like uh, I, I would pick Darling in the Mass is super high, but I'm gonna say blue. I'm okay. gonna say sleep. Let, with the, let, I'm gonna say sleep with the fishes. Those, those okay, let, 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 let's, let's start with seeing the comments. So basically, you're right. absolutely right. Majestic Metamorphosis is a runaway number one. You drafted it 126 times because of the both availability and, as you said, your preference. You were actually right with Rafin's Informant. Um, you did pick it quite a lot, even though it's a card that is not so freely available, but probably you just snap-picked it uh, yeah. whenever you saw it because the card is just busted. 
And um, uh, then we have things that you also mentioned. So Run Out of Town is there. Um, uh, Broker's Hideout is the card that you didn't mention, but uh, I think okay. that uh, looking at the list of uh, blue, white, uh, blue, green, white, blue, white, blue, and, and another fixing land, you can see that you had this maybe slight uh, affinity to draft Broker's Colors. So uh, having fixing for Broker's probably was on the priority list. And uh, yeah. How incredible does it feel when you just get one of those, uh, one of the like broker side out, even when you're two colors, like two out of those colors, like you feel like the world is your oyster. You feel invincible. Like I have fixing now I can, I can do things. My my head was, it was usually, Oh, I guess that um, discipline duelist is on the menu now. Exactly. Any cards that surprise you on that list? Um, I think Backstreet Bruiser is one of those cards that I would take like reasonably highly as like a, a backup. Um, not always play it though. Um, yeah, you you but, did pick it sixty nine times. Uh, nice. Uh, it, it, like as a card, I definitely it definitely didn't always start it, but it, it was it was a good. If you just didn't get two drops, you always can just play a two mana three three and have some defense to get to the later game. So uh, I, I would not have picked that one off the top, but it makes sense now that I see it. Well, it was probably also that the availability of that card is, um, well, it was huge. And I still, like, only recently I started thinking that, you know, maybe pairing up Backstreet Bruiser with the Kaldaya Strongarm and blitzing it uh, might have not been a completely uh, uh, weird strategy because you can just put the counters on it and you have a 5-5 that can attack, basically. I definitely started drafting a lot of strong arms towards the end and trying to make that work, and it, like... It always seems like it should come together, and then it just kind of doesn't. It just never uh, does. Okay, there we go. <laughs> yeah, so, it um, doesn't. Well, I, I guess that you were not super surprised. I think that there is a good mixture of cards that are super powerful, like the Inspiring Overseer, obviously, um, and Rafin's Informant, and cards that are just underappreciated by the rest of the pods uh, most of the time, like uh, Majestic Metamorphosis, Run Out of Town. Uh, Make uh, Disappear is not on the list. I, I think it was quite close from the uh, top 10, but it just quite didn't quite make the top 10 of your most drafted commons, I think, which may be surprising to you. Yeah. Let's look at, let's look at the uncommons. <laughs> Luxurious Libation is your top uncommon in terms of being drafted. That, that's interesting because Garrett and I did a podcast episode where I told him that I liked For the Family better than Luxurious Libation, and yet it's my number one most most drafted. Uh, and, and you do you, you drafted counter. eighty for the families and only thirty three Luxurious Libations. There that's you true. go. There, yeah, yeah. So clearly it, that that just numbers. Um, uh, there's out of the way. Ooh, Fairy Vandal, man. That card. That card is a house in this format. We'll 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 talk about it later, I think. But and all all the three cards that you mentioned are definitely made your top ten because there's out of the way. There is a little chat, and uh, Darling of the Masses is there, uh, just um, uh, slightly lower than you probably would have expected. I well, Illuminator Virtuoso. I guess that uh, that card is not super surprising. Slip out of the pack. You actually, I looked also at the uh, more specific data. I know that several of those uncommons you picked highly, but uh, they wield quite a lot. Like slip out of the back. Um, uh, I think that you've seen it mostly on the wheel and you just picked it probably as a uh, support trick or something. Yep. Yeah. Uh, right next to Illuminator Virtuoso. That's, uh, you know, once I got a slip out the back, that, that Virtuoso was, uh, yeah. or once I got a Virtuoso, that slip out the back was, Wait, was much higher uh, in priority. I'm, 
I'm just going to pause you for a second uh, because Luca Mani is in the chat asking for things. Uh, this is only data from Carl. This is only 123 drafts that Carl did. So uh, it's all his numbers. Uh, no other players were involved in generating that data. So hopefully. Who's got two thumbs and uh, is this episode's all about this guy. There we go. Um, and, you know, I think that uh, most of them are just very solid on commons. Also, almost exclusively in broker colors, which I think will be the theme of uh, looking at your data in, in, in a way. So any surprises in this particular one? Um, no, I, I don't I don't think so. Um, again, another mix of just cards that I like just didn't really pass, like Illuminator Virtuoso, um, you know, solid cards. And then, but yeah, the, the, the stuff that would wheel, like slip out, slip out the back that uh, I would prioritize in certain types of decks. So not, not, no, not surprising. And I think that, you know, we, we will talk a bit more about individual cards when, um, when we are going to um, talk about the win rates of those cards, because you will also, of course, have the personal win rates of the cards that you played. And we will see how your uh, oh, boy. frequent picks sometimes didn't align very well with the win rates of those particular cards. Oh, but boy. Uh, it is coming. Right. So... Of course, it's important to draft cards in certain quantity, but uh, not every card will make a deck when you drafted it. And um, uh, this is a mixture of uh, commons and uncommons, but I have a list of cards that when you drafted them, almost always made the deck. And do you think you can guess which cards are the highest on the list of things that were drafted of over 20 times? So I, I think like only those te top 10 uncommons will make the list and probably quite a larger list of uh, commons will make the list. Um, okay, so Illuminator Virtuoso is my number one guess. Um, what else? I, I mean, it probably would be monocolored. Uh, so maybe just Inspiring Overseer. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and let's go with something like um, a Psychic Pickpocket. Okay, let's take a look. Or, oh, I did, I, maybe I didn't draft it over 20, so maybe that's a bad guess, but... That is definitely a bad guess for that particular reason, but um, I'm, I'm pretty sure you put it quite frequently. It's actually Sleep with the Fishes that you put every single time that you drafted it into your deck. You never it's managed removal. not to sleep with the fishes. It's removal and you get an unblockable 1-1. One, one. I mean, yeah, I, I guess this that? So Inspiring Overseer once you drafted it and you didn't put it in your deck. I don't know what happened there. Probably you were uh -huh. in a different color combination and you just, uh, or maybe it was one of the first drafts and... Uh, and you just picked it because it was going late and you were in River Tears or something like that. But okay. it sure. happened very rarely. And then we have all these cards are really some things that you almost always put in your decks. And that's Jewel Thief, Backup Agent, Broker's Hideout, Murder. So if you went for Black, you, you drafted Murder, you did play it. And you also rarely speculated, I guess, on Murder and uh, didn't end up playing it. So uh, there's something that... You are the kind of a player, I think, that when you draft, you're convinced of your colors quite rapidly, and you rather try to draft the deck around the cards that you already have rather than uh, dirtle and then draft the hard way and then bob and weave between different colors. And it, 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 it looks to me like that from, uh, from uh, also other data that I looked uh, in. in um, Interesting. Uh, but yeah, then we have Celestial Regulator, Mage's Attendant, Riveteer's Decoy, um, which is strange that 95% of the time that you drafted it, you played it with... Uh, I do like that card a lot. I know it's not the the highest win rate card, but that, <laughs> I, I like it. I, a lot, I do so. I do like it. Yeah, it's 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 a solid um, it's a solid trick, uh, and and sometimes can can lead to some um, uh, amazing play patterns. 
And then we have Skycryer, Refugee's Informant, Corrupt Court Official. So another black card that um, you didn't play that much black, but when you played it, you probably wanted to have the uh, Corrupt Court Official. Civil Servant, Virtuoso that you mentioned is here, and Girder Goons. So it's, again, a bunch of broker cards, but this time we have three black cards in Murder, uh, Corrupt Court Official, and uh, Girder Goons, which I assume were the sort of backbone of any black deck that you conceptualize while drafting. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, I definitely have... Some general thoughts. I mean, the the black. I think the black is exactly what you said. Like, I, I was never going into a draft looking to be black. But if the signals were loudly screaming black at me, then um, you know, uh, if I'm taking murder, I'm probably pretty convinced that black is open at that point. Or you're picking murder because the black is open. Yeah, yeah, that, that's uh, that yeah. makes absolute sense. Any particular card that 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 you find slightly surprising in that list? Skycrier. Um, I would have thought that I would have cut that a little bit more often than 5.4%. Because, I mean, it's, it's a fine card, but it's not great. But, I mean, I guess thinking about it, maybe it's just uh, there was a, I was always having some sort of pump in those decks. And if you, if you have any sort of things to pump your 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 cards, then the one mm-hmm. flying life linker is a good pairing with that. Well, you famously do like uh, your luxurious libation. Yes, that's true. Uh, <laughs> luxurious libation and, and for the family too, and and majestic metamorphosis. Oh, yeah, so, all, all those cards, they're they're also good. So I mean, that, I guess that that's, makes sense. That's I'm always playing that card. All right. But I mean, I, I'm 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 slightly I am slightly surprised that you cut Illuminator Virtuoso more frequently than the Skycrier. That is a bit. Of course, those numbers are uh, uh, probably meaningless, and probably it means that you just drafted so little, much less Illuminator Virtuoso that uh, you cut it once and you dropped seven percent. But uh, still, quite. Uh, uh, so Migusheras is saying that you ever cut an overseer, and yes, it happened once exactly, just to be precise on the numbers there. One time, yeah. I, One I don't time. Know what that situation was, but okay. This is always my favorite question: Which cards that never made your deck did you draft the most? That times? never made my deck once. Yeah, you drafted it multiple times, over twenty at least, and they never made your deck. Oh my gosh, this is this is a great question. I know. Uh... I came up with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's see. Let's look at the commons. I'm gonna look at the. I'm looking at the crappy win rate commons. And okay, I definitely played incriminate, so that can't be that. Um, what card did I not play? Uh, um, I think I played a midnight assassin at some point, so it can't be that. I, I think there's five of them. I think there's five of those cards. You know, I also oh made this presentation already yesterday, so um, I don't remember everything by heart. But if you give me two, then we can then we can move to the slide and and and, and have a big reveal. Uh, case the joint. Okay. And let's go with witness protection. I hated that card. <laughs> well, I can tell you that you played witness protection once because I do remember that from yesterday. <laughs> okay. But, but you're absolutely right with Case the Joint. Yes, 34 times you drafted it, zero times you played it. And other cards that we have there, Broken Wings, Jackhammer that someone in the chat mentioned, uh, Extract the Truth, and Social Climber that you never played. And Witness Protection, you drafted it a bunch, you played it once. So I would look say... Look at this card, pre- Social Climber. Look, look at this card, Social Climber. There's Jewel Thief in the set. That's a 3-3 Vigilance <clears throat> Trample. And it makes a treasure, and then you've got this dopey three-two for the same cost. Like, how could you? You can't. You can't do that. But you it can those... gain you four life yeah. that you don't want because you're an aggressive deck. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, okay. This 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 
this this checks. Uh, Jack Hammer, okay. I never never made the never made the cut either. That's uh, that's pretty funny. That's uh, yeah. I mean, um, I've I've seen some people uh, memeing with the three Jack Hammer decks, but that's mainly for streaming. I think that it gives you some there, there you kind of a clip potential if you kill someone with your uh, brass knuckles and uh, two Jack Hammers and something. But okay, okay, we have we have the never beans. And okay, so what would be what were your snap picks? Which cards you have taken almost every time you saw them, and you must have seen them forty or more times. Which I do think that means it's roughly um, uncommon level max. I don't think that there are any rare. Okay, okay uncommon level max. Um, well, I mean, Illuminator Virtuoso. I'm going to go with that again. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, just Inspiring Overseer and Rafine's Informant. Um, I'll, I, I'm, Rafine's Informant is maybe not the best guess since the power level is a touch bit lower. Um, and, and I'll I'll throw one more in there at the uncommon level. I'll throw Psychic Pickpocket in there. Psychic Pickpocket. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so I, I, have, I have not two, two things, so I can actually have a, a previews for myself so that I can uh, give you better hints. But uh, okay, okay. Inspiring Overseer is there at number one. So basically, a common was your mo- most snap picky card that, that was That's there crazy. better than any uncommon, which is not shockingly surprising there. Then there's Fairy Vandal that you never that that you basically snap picked, uh, probably okay. uh, only except for the packs when it was together with the Inspiring Overseer, I would guess. And Illuminator Virtue, as you also mentioned, and Rafine's Informant that you also mentioned as an uh, as a common that you were quite high on. So I think that your uh, evaluation of what you really wanted to pick very highly is quite um, uh, quite good. There's Darling of the Masses there as well, uh, and the Majestic Metamorphosis. And I think that when I did it for Alex last time uh, for Kamigawa, I think that there was maybe like two commons on the whole snap pick list to the extent that I had to make a second slide when I only focused on commons. And with you, it's just such a good mixture of commons and uncommons that I just um, that I just decided to only make one slide in this uh, uh, particular case. And I think that for me, the card that I really found surprising is a little chat, but I think that we will have that little chat uh, uh, at some stage later. <laughs> to, to what is your fascination with that card? I think that there will be still opportunities to have it. Sure. I, I'm, I, I can't wait for you to tell me that I had like, a trash win rate with that card, and uh, I, know, I don't think that this particular this particular maybe was not trash. I think that there were some very interesting cards that had low win rates, but um, giving some spoilers there, uh, and we can chat about that later. But um, um, I, I mean, yeah, the was... th- this list makes a ton of sense to me. I, I I can't believe I forgot Fairy Vandal. I mean, I I love that card. It was it was a build around at at uncommon um, with all the draw effects that were in this set. I mean, like mm-hmm. you look, look at, look at this list. Just even the, the top cards of like inspiring overseer triggers for a vandal virtuoso Rafine's informant metamorphosis. Like those all, all trigger the, the fairy vandal. So it, it pairs. So they are well also from the same deck. They're also from exactly the same deck. Um, yeah, it's all, it's all cards you want to pair with it. Right. So um, yeah, that, this, this makes a lot of sense. And um, and uh, what I would like to draw some attention to Broker's Hideout with 42% of times that you saw it, you picked it, uh, just showing how important fixing is and uh, how good players prioritize it, um, unlike players that are still newer to the game, which might pass those uh, triumphs and then hope that they will get them later and never get them later and end up with a deck that maybe has the power in terms of spells, but uh, if you can't cast them, who cares about the power of your spells? 
It's definitely interesting that Discipline Duels is a little bit lower on here, which I think reflects the fact that, I mean, again, I was trying to to lean more towards like two colors with a splash than uh, three colors. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's a very powerful card. So, I, I mean, you know, Broker's Hideout being that high and Discipline Duos being that low, even though right about the same same menu probably gives some hints into... Yeah, I think that, yeah. I mean, you can look at the Illuminator Virtuoso as a sort of like monocolor version of Discipline Duelist in a way, and you can see the difference between how you pick those two. Yeah, 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 yeah. But okay, I think that now we have a, a bit of a break uh, from the data analysis because we have, well, I mean, not really because the the break is also data related, but uh, we have the game, the game. <laughs> and the game is called Card X or Tavern Swindler. Which card did you pick more frequently? And I'm not talking about frequency of the picks, but uh, I'm talking about you pick Tavern Swindler X percent of time. I can even tell you what that percentage is. It's 12.3% of the time you saw a Tavern Swindler, you picked it. Oh my so gosh. now we're going to guess if the card that I'm showing on the uh, screen, did you pick it more than 12.3% of the time or less than 12.3% of the time? And there's five cards that we're going to look at. So let's see if you can uh, actually uh, five out uh, my, my game. So let's start with it. So, 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 so okay, hold, hold on. For just, just in case uh, you don't listen to <clears throat> Mystical Dispute, which is a humongous error, by the way. Uh, you should definitely it listen is. to Mystical Dispute. Um, this is the card that uh, uh, Garrett and I had an entire episode about where I told him not to play this trash card. And he said that sometimes you just need to play a two drop. And uh, I finally did play it once, I believe. Uh, but, uh, so that's, there's a, there's a whole episode out there where we just, you know, uh, yell at each other and call each other names for, for having opposing opinions on this particular card. So that's why this is hilarious. Uh, oh man. Um, so I think the answer here is probably going to be Tavern Swindler because I thought Swooping Protector was a little bit overrated. Um, and so I just ended up not taking it that often. What do you mean? Perfectly serviceable flash um, uh, flyer in the colors that you're playing. I mean, surely you must have picked it more frequently than that. Okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, so I, I see. I, I'm too good at this. I'm sorry. It's it's less funny <laughs> when I'm too good at this, Cirque, but it's going to be Tavern Swindler. 9.8% yeah. of Swooping Protectors that you saw <laughs> and you picked, and 12.3% uh, of the Tavern Swindlers that you uh, saw and decided, oh, it's a good idea to pick it. We're going to come to that later. What does it mean? Because this is actually uh, unbeknownst to the people in chat and the, the ones that listen to the podcast version of it. This is actually a lesson in data analysis in uh, drafting. So um, uh, you're, you're, you're serving a very important purpose here. Okay. So we have a card too. <clears throat> Tavern Swindler or the multi-format bomb sewer crocodile. <laughs> this is hard too because sewer crocodile went late a lot i did occasionally like to pick one up uh because it, it would be a fine replacement level high drop if, if your deck was looking for that sort of a thing but i saw i feel like i saw a lot of these so i think the answer is still tavern swindler no Ooh, in fact it is okay crocodile you picked them 13.4 percent of the time you saw them okay. Unlike right. tavern swindlers with only twelve point three, so one one so far. I thought I thought the I thought the joke was going to be it was tavern swindler five times in a row, but anyway. No, because uh, okay. that, you would have figured it out after three, and then the rest of the game would be pointless. So okay. I decided. All right. ah, let's, okay, good let's, point. Let's let's do let's do a bit there. Now, it's, I mean, this, uh, 
Tavern Swindler versus Capena Express, oh, the man. all-star vehicle from I think the best vehicle in that uh, set. Uh, I, I'm sure you will agree. Oh, this is so hard. <laughs> I I I would occasionally pick the Capena Express up uh, again if you somehow ended up like you know like pack fourteen, pick one or something like that. If you somehow ended up with a few treasures here and there, it's probably Tavern Swindler though. Okay. All right. I'm not good at this. Of the time, All right. you picked Capena Express. Okay. All right. So uh, choo choo. Yeah, I choo choo choose it. Yeah, you choose choose it. You choose choose the Capena Express. I think that was also one of the stars of the one of the um, mystical dispute episodes. Um, uh, but we that was before the set that, was yeah. released. I think yeah, that you were talking about it. And, and then we, uh, we we put it in the alchemy episode too, where we 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 changed uh, cards to try to make the format more interesting, and we made it a four mana five five trampler uh that makes a treasure when it comes into play yeah i think that without trample this card doesn't make much sense to be put in there uh, tra- because trains need to have trample uh, again i just this is i got a platform here trains i mean trains need to have trample the trains not stopping when it when it runs something over uh, as gruesome as that is it's just the reality of the situation That's so fact trains of life. Need i know i know i know hashtag I know. trains trample all right i i would agree i would agree um okay so it's um now it's time for Tavern Swindler versus Deal Gone Bad. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm going to be wrong every time here. Um, I did think that Deal Gone Bad was very overrated, um, but also good enough that I should have taken it over Tavern Swindler. So I'm going to go with Deal Gone Bad and be wrong, I'm sure. Oh. It is Tavern Swindler, indeed. Uh, you only picked uh, Deal Gone Bad 6% of the time that you saw it. So, well, I'll half as frequently as you pick Tavern Swindler. My God. I'm sorry, Carl. That game is not ending well. I I lose no matter what. I've locked in a loss. Don't worry. I think last last one is a no-brainer, so you should get it. It's Tavern Swindler, an all-star two-drop versus Colin a professional. Um, uh, I guess it does things. It has a lot of text. Deals free damage. It's it's definitely Tavern Swindler here because I rarely picked and played this card because, again, I thought it was overrated. So it's got to be Tavern Swindler. But it removed the shield counters. And you're right here. You picked Scullion Professional 7.1% of the time and Tavern what? Swindler 12.3. It's the same it's the same card as Deal Gone Bad. So once you told me what the Deal Gone Bad stat, the stats are, they they occupy the same space in my brain. So uh mm. that's I that well I, I might have got if you had done the other one, if you done like, this Colin reverse, Professional is like markedly, markedly better than uh, Deal Gone Bad. I Post still don't one like mana less can go face and doesn't require milling if you don't want the milling. I That's mean, true. it's it. also I managed to um, put two call in a professional under RK bombardment and it was the best moment I had in this whole format. Oh, that's together I mean, with two two of the uh, exotic pets. That was uh, like a nice. That's uh, living. That's dog. living the dream. The absolute. Oh, dream. Yeah. <laughs> that deck was was silly, but you managed to go two for five, so a good 40% win rate. Uh, uh, I mean, there is place for improvement, and uh, hopefully next game that uh, I design will be uh, less <laughs> sneaky and tricky. But question is, why did I make this game? Because when you think about it, it all depends on your personal preference of the card, but also on the preference of the card from the community. And I think Tavern Swindler was never a high priority for people, and you could get it wheeling routinely and if, in fact when you look at the data it wheels routinely 
Now, the cards that wheel routinely, if a card is just basically a card that says, if you draft this card, you lose the draft, you will draft it 12.5% of the time because no one will, will want to pick it. So basically, 12.5% of the time, you'll get it as a last pick and lose the draft. Therefore, cards that have lower pick rate than 12.5% uh, mean that there is a big difference between how you evaluate the card and how the community evaluates the cards. So, uh, for example, Colin the Professional is a card that people evaluate highly, including myself, but you evaluate it lower. And that's why the next uh, strategy, the next part of the data analysis is actually cards that you drafted the least. So these are the cards that you never picked. And uh, therefore, you most disagree with the rest of the magic world uh, about. So um, um, these are the cards that will have, well, probably lower numbers than the 5.8 of the deal gone bad. So um, uh, what do you think? Which, which, which cards are, um, are, are those? In I mean, case? deal gone bad would definitely have been my, my first guess on that. So um, that's interesting. Um, I'm just going to I'm, I'm just going to double check you so I don't lie to you and maybe Deal Gone Bad is on that list. No, but I can tell you that these are uh, they start at four point five percent and they end oh, at one point five percent. There are some cards that uh, you absolutely never picked, even if you saw them. Is it commons and uncommons only, or are there rares and myths? These are commons and uncommons only. I don't think that there is a rare in there. Okay, no commons and uncommons only. So I'm going to say. Um, my first guess is uh, I'll put I'll put a few out there. So Rogues Gallery um, is is something I'll put out there. That's something um, I almost put in the game. Uh, let's see, Scuttling Butler is a card that I think I played it once, but I did not like that card at all. Um, <clears throat> that's probably too. I got to find some cards that are a little bit higher in win rate that I didn't like. I mean, deal gone, man, if, if deal gone bad's not in there. Oh, geez. Uh, you probably what, don't uh, even remember those cards because you never picked them even. Oh, prize <laughs> fight, prize fight, definitely prize fight. Um, I hated that card and I know people like that card. So prize fight, um, maybe graveyard shift. Um, I guess I could look at blue and white cards too. I wouldn't look too deep in blue and white cards in your in if, okay, if, if okay, I might okay. hint you if I might hint you there. Um all right. Oh, oh I know I know we're live and I know I'm just sitting here staring at a screen while everybody's watching this. Give me one more second. Um yeah, I've gotta find something else here. What me no uh Jetmere's fixer fixer? All right, let's go to the let's go to the list. Um Pyre Sledge Arsonist is something that you almost never picked, uh, okay. even though presented with the possibility of doing so. Very good guess there with Price Fight. You originally right. picked it 2% of the time you saw it. Um, I feel, and then I feel good about that one. Midnight Assassin, Vampire Scrivener, Suspicious Bookcase, Gathering Stockpile, Sizzling Soloist, Forge Boss Patchup, and Structural Assault. So I should, I should have gotten Sizzling there. Soloist. I should have gotten Sizzling Soloist. That, that I did not like that card. So any any surprises there? I don't think so because you probably don't remember what those cards do even in in many cases. I, I would have I, to think. Forge I, I boss. I think it? I played that a couple times, so I I'm surprised for uh, Forge boss is in the list. But uh, other than that, no, uh, no, no. I I, I 
dislike all these cards. So but, you, you, but you yeah, may have played play. the Forge Book a couple of times, but you definitely didn't draft it a lot. Okay, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, no, no, no real surprises there. Uh, prize fight. I, I'm glad I got prize fight. That I mean, that was definitely a card that I just tried to avoid at all costs, uh, and most other people I, did not. So yeah, I, I think this also shows that um, you're not the kind of a person that will just uh, draft a random uncommon to uh, progress your vault progress like I would do. <laughs> I for sure uh, have drafted many suspicious bookcases uh, at the wheel when there was nothing in the pack because I said. Well, I'm common. I mean, I'm 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 pushing that vault progress. I'm I'm not made of money, mate. Um, but um, I would probably take a tavern swindler over like a patch up in case. Again, I in case I just never had a two drop. Um, I think a you, patch you up is, was playable deck. when you had three overseers. Uh, oh, maybe and some refines informants too. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> okay, but that, I think that that almost concludes our draft part. Um, uh, so there's just one last piece of data. So um, from the previous sets and from this set, I did some analysis on how often do 17 lens users uh, play their first pick, and that's 80.2% of the time. And where do you think you landed that statistic? Uh, just to give you an impression, Kordakos was 80.3, I think, percent. So he was bang on the middle with, with the rest of the uh, 17 lens users. I think I'm higher in this set for two reasons. I, I think in other sets I might have been uh, maybe a little bit higher than average, but not much. But I, I'm guessing I'm meaningfully higher in this set. One, because I did uh, play a lot of brokers and I was leaning towards brokers cards early. So again, I might avoid a card like Murder uh, for you know some, uh, a, a, a slightly worse uh, blue, white, or green card. Um and number two is I like to try to make marginal rares work sometimes. Um, so I could see that working its way. I think that's why I'm, you know, in the vicinity and other sets. Even though I try to play fairly open, I think for those two reasons, I'm mid to high 80s is my guess. Mid to high 80s. Okay. Okay. That's the data from the, uh, from the people. And that depends on the, uh, how many wins they had with the weird outlier of zero and the average being 80.2. So okay. basically that's how the data looked for all the players. Um, and you are at 90.2% of the time. So not far off, but slightly higher than you thought maybe. Interesting. Yeah. I guess that, that, that's, that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot higher when you're talking 80 is, is the average. I mean, that's, that's got to yeah, be way yeah, up that's, there that's, distributionally. That's meaningfully, meaningfully more than uh, than the uh, average players. But it's also, uh, you clearly preferred playing brokers and therefore you probably your first picks were in brokers and um, those preferences were showing. Also, I think that it might have something to do with the time that you were playing uh, and uh, most of your drafts and how uh, mature the format was in that time. But I think that that sure, concludes yeah. the draft portion of uh, of what Carl did and didn't do um, uh, in uh, Streets of New Capena. Now we can go a bit about uh, gameplay. And I really literally don't remember uh, the slides about Mulligan, so I hope I put them and not just left the blanks, which wouldn't be below me, honestly. Um, ah, no, I did it. Yes, get in. Good to have a second copy. But uh, we will talk about different aspects of the gameplay um, uh, that we can infer from the data. Um, we will look at your uh, mulligan rate, your win rate, how it changes in time, um, the color preferences of your drafting, and uh, uh, some color combination win rates and, and individual card win rates. And that's going to be 
a large chunk of the analysis basically looking at the different uh, card win rates. So um, uh, we're going to have an, another description of which metrics are we going to use. But so average 17 lens user mulligans 10.8% of the games. Where do you think you see yourself in comparison? Again, Alex, if I remember correctly, 3.2. Okay, higher than mulligans. higher than Alex, but definitely less than average. Uh, I, I'll, I'll pick a number. I'm going to guess six and a half. 7.6. I think that's close enough. We can give you that one. Uh, All right. Okay. That's a very good self-evaluation skill. So you are probably bang in the middle between Alex and the, uh, the rest of humanity, which, you know, many of us can say about ourselves, really. I actually um, started, I would not be surprised if this number was closer to the 10.8 towards the end of the format, but a lot less uh, earlier on in the format. Um, I, I, I started leaning a bit more like, in Kamigawa, I think it was probably it, it had to be even lower than that. But I, I if you, I, I was realizing more towards the end that like you just if you missed if you missed the third land, you, you were just toast a lot of times in this, and mm. uh, you just couldn't you couldn't get away. Especially especially like the two the, the two islands uh, uh, hands where you were missing your third color. I think I was mulliganing those more towards the end. But anyway, that probably went too deep too fast. No, no, that's exactly what we want to hear from you there, uh, because uh, I didn't check the how, how your mulligan rates evolved in time, but I think that it's important when you think, you know, these episodes are partially made to showcase you as being an uh, um, uh, amazing limited player, but partially it is for people that listen to it, how should they approach looking at their own data and how should they think about their own data once they, uh, you know, are capable of analyzing it um, uh, on their own, for example. And how to use those insights to make some sort of introspective on how uh, to improve and become a better player and also why you do certain things. It's always good to know the reasons for those kind of things. So so now I just have to explain a bit what is the running average because we're going to the running av win average uh, uh, kind of portion of the thing. So if you have things that have very big difference between uh, uh, top value and bottom value. And win-lose is particularly impressive in that way because you can have either one win or zero loss. It will be lots of dots um, um, uh, uh, on top and lots of dots on bottom. If you want to analyze how win rate of a player changes over time and you want to make it in a meaningful way, you do this thing called running average. When you take an average of all these points and then you move by one step, you make an average of these points, you move by one step, you move by one step and you continue until you get to the end of your data set. And then from this kind of blobby uh, thing, you can get 10 points, which of those, each of those 10 points being um, actually based on 10 different measurements. And you can see a sort of running average. So you can see that here initially it's sort of like goes down and then slightly goes up uh, towards the end. Can, and can this we, is exactly what can we give this man an Academy Award for graphic uh, and animation usage? That was that that box was beautiful. That that was a, a wonderful <laughs> illustration there. I like that a lot. You make me blush. But anyway, I'm not going to make any more boxes in this presentation. I'm going to show, um, I'm, we're going to look at uh, your average win rate. And what I did for that, you remember when we talked about it in the beginning of the presentation, 857 uh, games. So I looked at the same thing as I did in this example case, but I looked at 100 games in the box. And I moved this box 757 times and made some sort of graph to show how your uh, win rate evolved um, uh, over the uh, format.
So my question to you is, looking back at Streets of New Capanna, where do you think was the time when you had the highest win rate and um, when maybe you had a worse win yeah. streak? So I, I know for a fact, because this is the kind of thing that, um, I mean, I talked about being a spike and being a competitive player. Uh, I know that I started off the format um, at some point through, I'm guessing about 30 drafts, I was around 58%. Um, and then I went on a very big win streak um, for a extended period of time, probably 60 drafts or so. And then I cooled off towards the end. So I want to say like, you know, I had 123 drafts. So probably the 30 drafts or so on each end were the weakest. And then the 60 in the middle were definitely the strongest. Okay. So um, we got that B-roll. We can actually look exactly how it looked like. So I think that you're, pretty much nailed it. There were some ups and downs uh, and probably like okay. a, a, a bit of like um, a couple of drafts in a row that didn't work well here and here. But generally you can see that you started relatively lower and then uh, that uh, over time increased. And then, then you started memeing probably or something like that. And um, uh, you can see that in the win rate. So uh, I think that you- I, I tried drafting red. I definitely tried drafting red towards the end. So that that didn't, uh, that, that probably didn't help. Look, we're going to see that. Yeah, you, you think I wouldn't do that kind of a graph? Come on. Sorry. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> spoiler alert. My bad. Well, no. I mean, now you have to now now you have to stand it. So basically, uh, Pablo Picasso had his color periods. He started with the blue period. There was a rose period, and in each of those periods, he used particular color and tints of other colors that included a high um, amount of the uh, particular thing in um, in the pictures. So if you would look at the streets of New Capanna, what color periods did you have as the format progressed and, 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 and um, matured? Uh, so basically, just to give you the what I looked in the data, I looked percent of the decks that had a color for each of the five colors in the last 100 uh, games with the same kind of moving window of 100 drafts. Okay, so uh, white, I think, was definitely, um, I mean, Okay, let me let me articulate myself here. Um, blue certainly over the course of the format had the, the the most run, but I think it was probably white early on. Then there was a blue period. Um, then it probably shifted a bit more white again. Then black came from like nothing to something, and then we finished with like red having literally nothing the entire format to having some red at the end. Okay. I was uh, watching. I was watching that curve. I was watching the curve as you were describing it without seeing it, and it was quite interesting. And I think that ninety percent correct. I would say what you were describing. All right. So this basically shows you that. um, uh, Let's look at this peak of blue. That means that at this stage, ninety-four percent of your decks had some blue in it as main color. uh, I didn't count splashes in that. So just the main color uh, parts. Okay. Um, So I think that what you did in the beginning is you did draft quite a lot of blue, but maybe didn't realize it uh, that much because this white period uh, was also arriving at the same time. So basically your usage of white was based on the fact that you played a lot of blue white uh, okay. at least or, or brokers because that's a free color set. A lot of blue white, And I yeah. think that the one period you forgot is that you had this moment when you reached literally every draft you drafted green because you can see if those lines go almost up, it means that you didn't play green 100 games before, and then you played green, uh, well, every single game. That's why they increased so quickly. And then you had the moment when you started doubting. 
what okay, I saw well, also in the data. <clears throat> what I saw also in the data from Alex. Alex had two of those kind of convergence moments uh, in in his uh, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty run, where basically there was uh, there were those moments when you started drafting all colors more or less equally, and uh, from then he moved to a different period. Unfortunately, you. From then, stop drafting basically. So um, uh, yeah. there's not so many games after that. But I think that these are the moments when you sort of reevaluate the format and 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 everything goes for that because you want to reassess what's possible. Because people maybe, as you said, that like you almost didn't draft black and red, but here they uh, went to like 50% of decks were either red or black uh, in some extent. I, I just thought uh, red was so so open at that point, and I was trying desperately to make red work and i just didn't really get there but i think at that time also uh maestros was the highest win percentage uh, color combination sure well built maestros yeah not quite uh, but not yeah i mean maestros. i think that your your self-assessment was pretty much bang on it's like green except for this one spike here it stayed sort of white, in the middle as green, a support yeah, color yeah. but white blue was dominant all through the period and 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 you went to some really excessive uh uh, uh Almost, almost the word forcing springs to mind uh, of blue um, in the mid of the format, and then later it it became very much mingled, and you started drafting all five colors. Interesting. Any surprises in that graph, or I don't. No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think uh, you know, for better or for worse, I, I've got a good general internal compass on like <laughs> how how the format evolved for me a little bit. So that that's uh, yeah, I, 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 I think expecting. that you know. This is the big, I'm, I'm only doing it the second time, but I, I see that uh, two things that people know very well is what cards they drafted the most in terms of numbers and uh, how did they draft colors uh, throughout the format? Because also Alex was pretty good in evaluating this. And when it comes to card win rate, there is a lot of personal experience that interferes with your evaluation, but we're going to move to that. I, I feel like I'm going to get everything wrong there. So... But before we do that, uh, this is also superimposed on the same time scale. Uh, Ooh, yeah, how, yeah. You, how you drafted and how your win rates went. Uh, so basically, the interesting part is that when you started converging to those uh, drafting more balanced uh, colors, that was the peak of your win rate as well. So uh, okay, um, maybe the color combinations were not as uh, disbalanced as 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 um, us content creators tried to depict them. But, I think um, that's um, and and now now that you're mentioning it and I'm putting it together, I, I realize that blue like I realize how to draft blue black uh, right in that zone, and and so I think before I was mostly ignoring black as like as you can see in general, and once I realized how to make blue black work, it kind of opened up more avenues to make sure you I was in the right lane more often. So that that makes a lot of sense. And I think also that there there was this sort of semi-self-correctedness that people did attack brokers a bit more aggressively in that time. So you yeah, couldn't sure. just get the, you couldn't get the nuts at a certain moment. But uh, yeah, I, I always like to uh, superimpose the win rate on the color preferences. And with you, there is this basically bulk of the drafts when you were pretty much in broker colors. Um, um, so that, that maybe was less interesting. What I found interesting is the spike of win rates when you started drafting more uh, open or at least uh, change the preferences a bit. Uh, so yeah. Right, so color combination win rates. And I normally write color pair win rates, but this time I went for color combinations. Uh, so <clears throat> which color combinations were you the most successful with and least successful with? 
Now, how the uh, 17 lens, you know how the 17 lens data is um, uh, done. So uh, I looked at two color combinations, but that includes splashes or three color combinations, but that also does include splashes. I didn't specify them as uh, blue white with green splash is uh, for me the same as pure blue white. Okay. So, okay. So that, okay. The green splash, you ignore the splash. So basically blue yeah. white, green splash is blue white. Okay. It's just me being lazy because that would require much. No, no that's okay. So I'm going to guess that a blue white has got to be number one. Um, I think I'm going to say that a uh, full brokers number two, I'm actually going to guess blue black to be number three and white green four and full maestros five that's my that's my official guess so close so close he said but not not quite there uh so blue black is actually your top Ooh. win rate color pair okay uh, blue white is second but these 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 differences are quite negligible i have to say that you're quite flat until number four wow, to be I fair, didn't when, when we look black at red there yeah Black Man, Red managed to squeeze out a 66% win rate. You didn't play a lot of it, but when you, but when you did, uh, some kind of American advertisement, I'm, I'm assuming. Um, white Green, as you rightfully said, was fourth, and the Maestros were fifth. But Brokers were only uh, sixth uh, in terms of um, all the color combinations that you played. And that might sure. have something to do that there was a time when you probably over over played it uh, uh, and that reflected in the win rates. When we saw those little dips of um, of your win rate, in a couple of cases, it was correlated strongly with you playing quite a lot of um, brokers at that time, basically. And then we have um, you know, Cabaretti, Obscura, um, Riveteers, and uh, very, very far behind uh, we have... Um, um, <laughs> I, I can I can never make that work. Never could do it. They always suck. But I don't know, uh, did anyone? Did anyone? The, the, the chat. If you have any uh, examples, oh, there's G guards in the chat. He missed the tavern swindler game, but well, I guess you have to catch up on that. You, you got to check out the. You got to check out the pod, Garrett. It's it's hilarious. Um, but I think that the, the important part is that you have six archetypes that you clearly made work with uh, over sixty percent win rate. And four archetypes that you didn't quite make work. So um, yeah. it's interesting that all those two color combinations are ahead of all the three color combinations, which yeah, I guess makes sense given I was trying to be two colors plus splash. And if I didn't, then probably something went a little off. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that this format, you really need to go all in to be three colors. And uh, as I said, 997 mana basis, that, that's the thing that you are aiming. And then you're quite happy with being three colors. But it, Without it, like especially Maestros with a splash of red, that was like I was having a heart attack because I play a turn to snooping Nuzi and all of a sudden I might have just taken a mulligan to five if I had two red cards and I milled the mountain. Um, okay, so card win rates. Oh, okay. God. So the card had to have minimum 50 games. I'm going to look uh, uh, in the other window a bit ahead so I can point you towards which cards can be involved in the particular uh, category. Um, <clears throat> but there is... Games played win rate, uh, games in hand win rate, and improvement when drawn, because I thought that for individual data, improvement when drawn is actually quite an interesting stat when you look at it, when you have like solid um, uh, sample sizes for a player, because it is your personal way of playing with a particular card that can uh, uh, yield to higher win rate or uh, lower win rate with particular cards. I think that's more interesting than looking at general population uh, doing that. So, um, yeah, without further ado. I have, so I have one big theory in this. Um, and that theory is that, um, well, I'm sure my win rate with Inspiring Overseer was still 
very good. I'm guessing it is less above average than uh, like what are my win rates? What seven points higher than seventeen lands data? So my guess is my win rate with inspiring overseer is less than sixty nine percent or whatever that seven points would would infer. Um, so that that is one big theory that I have in here, but I'm sure it's still near the top because the card's amazing. But I had a lot of I added some several. I think I had a three inspiring overseer deck and a four inspiring overseer deck that did very poorly. Uh, and that definitely didn't help those. Um, I think Illuminator Virtuoso, again, I'm going to go back to that one as being uh, pretty high on the list. Um, and again, we're in commons and uncommons, right? So basically, games played, I think that uh, there is a bunch of uncommons, and they are quite high, so I would focus on the uncommons if I were you. Okay. Because uh, they are also a slight signal, like if you got uncommons for a particular deck, probably the colors were more open, which means that you're going to have uh, a probably slightly higher win rate. And if you so, have commons, well, the commons were open in multiple sure. decks, also when you probably shouldn't have been drafting a particular color combination, so that will drag you down a bit. Uh, so Rafine's Informant, uh, Illuminator Virtuoso, Sil- Civil Servant, and uh, yeah, let's go with those. Okay, let's go with those. Well, zero for three. Damn. Wow. Hypnotic Grifter is your number one um, um, games played win rate. Now, this is games played. This is okay. when you played it in your deck, not okay. necessarily drawn it. We have such a banger as Rafine's Guidance with 70% of a win rate uh, when it was played in your deck. Because I only and played it, it with Rafine's Informants, I'm sure. With like I had like three at Rafine's Informants. <laughs> But there's a Psychic Pickpocket, Darling of the Masses, Out of the Way. So the cards that you actually drafted quite a lot um, uh, and quite aggressively because they were also your most frequently picked cards um, uh, list and Fairy Vandal as well. We have the Metropolis Angel, uh, Courier's Briefcase, Knockout Blow, High Rise Sawjack. I don't know what it's doing there, but uh, I guess you put it sometimes in your decks and um, those decks did really well. I think I'd only play that card if I had big big old bombs in the deck so that that's probably why that that's it ah there you go very 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 nice so basically hira sojek um you put in decks that had other ways of winning and it's the other things that carried it i think that this is an important thing to know that these numbers don't reflect the power of the card itself because you draw a card in roughly 40 to 50 percent of the games uh, so half of the games you don't even see it. Uh, this more reflects the strength of the decks that those cards were in, and that's probably why you missed uh, on uh, all the cards that you were guessing because you were talking about the cards that you think are good. But here you got a bunch of cards, and and, and some of those cards have a really poor win rate when you draw them in your decks, but are still making this list because uh, they were in decks that were good for other reasons. I should have um, guessed Metropolis Angel. That's uh, and that, I should have known that for sure. That was. That, that comes in a lot of busted decks. Just, oh, okay. um, yeah, I mean, like, when, when you get the, the blue-white, you know, Flyers deck with a lot of uh, counter, like, this, the, they're highly synergistic good decks. So that, I should have I should have got that one. Okay, so what do you think that were your oh. cards that had the uh, worst win rate when they were played? And here, okay. again, you have to think which decks that you played were poor and which cards were in those decks frequently. Jetmere's Fixer has got to be on that list. Um, uh, how about like Mr. Orfeo, the boulder, um, <laughs> security rocks. I mean, uh, crew captain, I, I, uh, just, uh, like, you remember know, you have to play it 50 reasons. times. So maybe, maybe some oh, of those cards oh, you maybe didn't these are, play 50 maybe times. Are too, okay. I think uh, that this list is dominated 
by um, dominated by commons. There is okay. very strangely one rare on it, <laughs> and there is a bunch of uncommons as well. Okay, antagonize, light him up. Um, hmm. You said fixer before, yeah. I strongly yeah, advise you you stick to that answer. <laughs> Jebir's yeah, Jebir's fixer. I'm, I'm not I'm not going off that. Yeah. Uh, so Jebir's fixer, light him up, antagonize, um, and. Three is enough, I think. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll, we'll, we'll stick with that, yeah. I think stay stay ahead, because I think Jedmir Fixer is dead last, and the Antagonize is second dead last, and then Racer's Ring, which is on theme, I guess. Yeah. But weirdly also Fight Rigging, which... Fight is, Rigging! ...is technically a bomb, but uh, in your hands it only had an, uh, a 52% <laughs> win rate when played. So that, when I saw that, but when I saw that, I was like, wow. What did surprise me is sleep with the fishes because I would expect that murder might not have a very strong gameplay uh, win rate because you played it from the Tears deck. But sleep with the fishes actually had a poor win rate when it was played in your decks. And I always drafted it when I saw it, right? That was the yeah, one, you was drafted 100%. it hundred percent time you saw it, saw it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I guess I gotta, that, that counts I, okay. as a surprise of sorts. Murder and the rest is, is just filled with uh, random. Oh, oh a gathering oh. strong. I think is one other card that uh, did not prefer that performed that well fatal grudge interesting and pugilist too i like that card but i guess it's red so yeah i guess uh-huh. that you didn't, didn't really Mur- make red murder red. at 53 percent is interesting too yeah it's definitely wow. the worst black card which is something that the design team making those five busted commons did not think oh we have to make four other busted commons so that murder can be in the set at common and look at murder and look at the inspiring overseer and um uh, jewel thief which were you know closer to the top of those lists interesting so yeah here i think plenty of surprises but again let's keep in mind this is the game's played statistic uh, and yeah, i think that yeah, game yeah. and hand win rate is something that will give you a better uh, idea of the card's power okay. um uh, basically but yeah poor jet nurse fixer unfixable so Game and hand win rate. Okay, now we need solid numbers. I'm going to uh, look into the future of my uh, slides and uh, give you some hints on what you can guess. I, I think mean, I'm, I'm going with Rafine's Informant and Illuminator Virtuoso. Those are, I'm not. I'm going. I'm sticking with those from like the last. Uh, that I, I was more thinking in the way, and I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but that that's more the oh, no, that's lines fine. I was thinking along. Uh, yeah, I think that lo- loads of uh, loads of um, uncommons and then some commons on the list. So uh, you go. Ruffin's Informant, Illuminator Virtuoso, and... I will also go with... Heck, let's go with Majestic Metamorphosis. I think I played that card well. Um, and again, I'm I'm sure that Inspiring Overseer is on this list, but my guess is it's below 69%. Nice. Um, so, um, I have to say, I, I think that you would be surprised with that list uh, to a large extent. I think Darling of the Masses is number one by a mile with 80% win rate. Whenever you had that card, you basically always won. Um, exotic Pets, something that you never mentioned, 75% game and hand win rate. Psychic Pickpocket, again, close to 75. Hypnotic Grifter, close to 75. Strangle, close to 73, which is like a massive outlier compared to what your red was doing because probably you put it more in the Maestro's deck than you did in the... Or you splashed it in your Demir decks or something like that, I assume. Yeah, I mean, that Uh, was... If you have a controlling blue-black 
uh, build, I was definitely looking to. I'd, I'd pick. I'd pick strangle like super high, even it's, if I was primary blue black. But it's like also such a perfect place to play your taplands uh, when you just killed the two drop with strangle, yeah. and then you play a tapland, and you just didn't lose any tempo really. Yep. But expendable lucky, quite a nice numbers there. Hold for ransom. That card was impressive um, uh, in your hands. Security bypass, tramway station. Uh, I guess that comes with the maestro decks being not as bad as you might think. And then snooping newsy also shouldn't surprise when you had uh, a blue black as your highest win rate color. And make disappear the card that you mentioned earlier as one of your most drafted cards, which it wasn't, but now it's one of the most um, high win rate cards. I think that the picture that they have from here is that something that we already saw with your color win rates, that you basically didn't have that high win rate with brokers, um, and the decks that you thought that were busted brokers were probably mainly the blue-black, and not even the flyer ones, but more like tempo-y kind of, uh, you know, I play my exotic pets, I play my psychic pickpocket, and then some majestic metamorphosis, and uh, run out of town, and all of a sudden I win. That, that, that sort of deck seems like a way stronger thing in your hands than um, than uh, what you were talking about, Illuminator Virtuoso kind of combo-y uh, double strike win uh, decks. That win may be fast, but um, then sure. they struggle if, if, if they run out of steam. And still, the I Darling th- of the Masses is... Yeah, that's, I mean, I that's, I'm not sure if that's like, the Darling of the Masses being so high, I can't tell if that's like just affirming my experience. Um, I just ran hot with that card. Or if that's something I should feel good about in terms of the way that I evaluated that card, because I, I mean I took that card definitely higher than its win rate would otherwise suggest. So, and I might I know my style with that card is definitely like figure out a way to attack, like like get it on the board <laughs> and then figure out like even if you have to throw extra resources to just get that one attack in there and get that. Did, did you ever put security it. bypass on the darling? I don't know if I did. Um, I know Garrett had a story about having like uh, three darling of the masses and, and putting security bypasses in that deck. Um, but <laughs> I, I feel good about security bypass in that list too, because definitely drafted around whenever I play that card, it would be, specific situations and i tried to pair it with slip out the back i tried to pair it with you know maybe a boon of safety or something like that or, or make disappear and just tried to make it be as successful as it could uh we we had that in our bad cards episode on the podcast where we talked about you know kind of try to how to make security bypass work so i feel good about that one too yeah i do remember that one and i think that the the Lack of Illuminator Virtuoso in that list, that the card that you were super strong on uh, yeah. a lot of time, I think that um, it's just because you remember when it worked, but so many times it's just a solid two drop, but not such, not, not anything to write home about. Is that a possibility? It's Yeah, I guess so. I, I mean, or maybe I just... I mean, there's also a chance that I mis- yeah. misanalyzed the data and uh, mixed up columns yeah. in the Excel. That, no, that's, that's I, no. Absolutely no. possible. The fact that it's okay. flaring overseer is not on this list, though. Also, I it's feel it's not on the list. Nailed um, that prediction too. I yeah. can later. I can later look at the full list yeah, yeah. And, and and tell you uh, where it was. But uh, I don't want to uh, disturb the fragile um, no. equilibrium no, no, no. of my computer by actually uh, looking at Excel um, uh, multi gigabyte <laughs> files because that. Please, will... please don't. Um, okay, so. We know what was winning in your hands. We know the darling of, of the masses was also your darling. Uh, but which cards were not winning even when you drew them? And I'm going to look into the future just to um, um, see what rarities are represented there. 
But I already can see there is a bunch of uncommons and a bunch of commons. I guess sleep mainly commons. Uh, sleep with the fishes has to be on there. Um, based on You're what I've seen the system, so far, are you? Um, man, um, what what cards did not? Okay, so maybe like uh, exhibition magician. Maybe I overrated that card. Maybe like a plasma jockey. Maybe a maybe another uh, light em up. Um, I didn't play tavern swindler enough for that trash card to be on the list. Um, <laughs> uh, you know what? I should probably put out there. I should probably put corrupt court official as a card that I potentially overrated. Um, I mean, I tried to build casualty decks around that card, but maybe it just didn't get there. So I'll, I'll stick with some of those as my predictions. Okay. Oof, wow. You're not going to be pleased to see that. So basically, Racer's Ring is the card that when you drew it, you basically lost. But look, look, at, that, look at that murder. Murder! Second to last. Yes. Gathering Strong, second to I apparently last. suck at playing three mana destroy target creature. I, I mean, that's honestly illuminating uh, that I need to play. I need to learn how to play removal better, I guess. Wow. But okay. if you look a bit up, I mean, look at that Illuminator Virtuoso. Wow, I got that so wrong. That's what I say, that um, uh, how our brain can misinterpret the uh, results based on feel-good situations, which I, Illuminator Virtuoso gives many of. Yeah. But in fact, it wasn't uh, having that impressive numbers. Also, a little chat uh, is on that list. Now, these are still cards with 58% win rate, so they are not like awful in any way. It's just that they are not as good as you might have thought they are. This is fascinating. Okay, so Riveteer's Outlook, whatever, Gathering Throng. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and, like, remember, Murder had 53% game played win rate so uh, and 50% game in hand win rate. So actually, it lowered your win rate by drawing the Murder, which is... Uh, I really wonder if I just... I mean, if that's a... Is that a crazy variance thing, or do I just need to be more patient with removal? I mean, I'm almost leaning towards the latter as like a as a something to think about for the future now seeing this um i mean obviously it's all it's all small sample size but i mean that's 50 percent with murder that card is not bad that card is good it is good but it has its issues in this format in particular it's like certainly useless often on shield and double black is super annoying well also, uh, uh, Metropolis Angel that was the top yeah. 10 of your plate cards is now all of a sudden in your bottom 15 on your um, game in hand cards. So, uh, so, so I was I was building decks around that, but I didn't actually need the card to be good. Exactly. I think that that's the answer that uh, you look at it. Also, like Sparse Adjudicators, a bit lower than I uh, would think. Um, dig up the body, pretty low. Uh, and I guess speak, speak easy server is a part of the same thing as uh, Metropolis Angel, like the sort of card that looks like it would be good in the flyer deck, but not. Everything on here is due to lack of patience. Like, I, I'm not a patient player. I know that. I'm probably using a little chat too fast and not waiting for, for someone to target my creature with removal. I'm probably, you know, going all in on Illuminator Virtuoso. Um, try, trying to get that extra card off of Metropolis Angel, uh, you know, sm- smashing with Riveteer's decoy and trading it for a 2-2 or something like that, uh, and apparently using Murder too fast. So it's just, I'm not patient. There it is. That's that's my last You know, that I, I find it super funny that um, uh, at the beginning of the show, I told that uh, we think in a very similar way, and I, from your descriptions, that's basically, this is where I lose my win rate percentage, basically. The lack of patience. It's just like, 
I'd rather something happen than to wait and nothing happens because it annoys me. Like, ah, and I know I'm losing game percentage, uh, uh, like winner percentages based on my um, eagerness of making something happen, but I just can't stop myself. And yeah, ah. I, uh, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take that away and think about that for future games of limited for sure. All right. Well, this was definitely the interesting part. And I think that we have last couple of slides and that's about improvement when drawn. So what do you think are the cards that improved your deck the most when you drew them? So the difference between the win rate when you drew the card versus the win rate when you didn't draw that particular card in decks. Um, I mean, I guess security bypass has to be up there given just the stats we've seen so far. Uh, I, I mean, I'm... I would just show this one because I'm just going to be trying to remember the previous slides and like doing math off the previous slides. So yeah. Okay. Let's go. Let's let's go. Darling, darling is the one that improved um, uh, your decks the most. And hold for ransom actually, which to me was surprising, but also makes a lot of sense uh, in one way or another. Uh, then we have exotic pets, strangle, expendable, lucky, and then we go into the levels of cards that minorly improve, and security bypass is one of them. But I think that. Darling of the Masses and Hold for Ransom. I think that Hold for Ransom was a vastly underappreciated card because, as you said, like whenever you play Darling of the Masses, your main goal was to be able to attack. And I think Hold for Ransom is such a great card to enable that kind of thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you had the tempo-y deck, which is typically pretty strong, it was going to be good in those decks. And if you didn't have mm -hmm. a, a, an aggressive deck, then you probably should be playing Hold for Ransom. So. Yeah, that's fine. No, I mean, I, I do assume that you put them in the right decks. I mean, I know that you you know that uh, if you want to play a 20-turn game, Hold for Ransom is a liability, not an asset. Yep. But uh, any cards here that you find particularly? Plasma Jockey actually improved your win rate, so uh, you tried to put it in the category of cards that were not so great. Uh, honestly, that was more of a self-own, because I, I, I like the card a lot, and I I mean, it was a reason for me to be in red, but the 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 stats were crap, and so I was I was just wondering if I was overrating that card, to be honest with you. But I'm glad I wasn't, um, at least for my own uh, approach. So I, I mean, strangle <clears throat> that card is so strong, and it was just in such a bad color. Um, so that's that's super interesting. Like one that's, thing that we see here is inspiring overseer. So I think that inspiring overseer was more of a victim of the lower quality of the decks it was in. Because I will now say that uh, I think that looking at the data, you might have been at least in the middle stage of the format. You were too stuck with the brokers and you probably over um, sure. overforced it a bit. And that cost some percentage points of the win rates. And that probably was something that cost Inspiring Overseer quite a large chunk of the um, win rate uh, that it got. Once you drew it, it improved your win rate by 3.3%. Also, your favorite card of the format, Majestic Metamorphosis, did a similar thing. And Luxurious Libation improved your win rate by more than for the family. Hi, Gareth. Congratulations, G-Guards. You win that one. Okay, so um, here we have those. And we can actually talk about cards that decreased, actively decreased your deck performance. And uh, We know uh, Murder again, on there. I don't yeah. want you to do mental maths because I know. Yeah. But Metropolis Agent uh, was the card that uh, decreased your win rate the most when you drew it. Uh, but okay. on that list, we also have uh, Rafine's Guidance, a card that you tried several times 
and it actually had an amazing against played win rate. So it was in good decks. It just it was not required in those decks at all. I, literally, so, uh, I was just playing them with Rafines informants. So when I had three Rafines informants, I was playing that card. So that's okay. like that's it. That's the entire thing right there. Uh, not even the virtuoso. What's that? Okay, Ra Ra Racer's Ring is just weird, but that's probably you know some of those results will be will decks, be based yeah. to this, on on small sample size. But uh, we have Disdainful Stroke, a little chat, uh, Broker's Veteran, Illuminator Virtuoso, again, actively uh, lowering your win rate. Um, Speakeasy Survey, Grizzly Sigil, uh, Murder, Out of the Way, and Fairy Vandal. Now, this is just three percentage points. With your sample sizes, it's not. Uh, oh, yeah, the Fairy Vandal's whatever, because, I mean, that was in 70 plus percent win rate decks. So, uh, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, any surprises here except for. I think the disdainful stroke is a bit surprising to me because I would think that you would. Why would you put it in your deck even? Um, I mean, I would have put it in a more controlling deck that just needed a way to shut down the late game, but apparently not terribly effectively. So, um, so maybe there was no need for locking out that late game because uh, the the early game yeah. was probably damaging enough, and that five six drops were not playing that much of a role. I should have just played like another glamorous outlaw instead of the the disdainful stroke or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. Or maybe it just made its way into like, uh, you know, it was like I, I was forcing a blue-white type of a situation and didn't get enough playables. And that was the last card that I, I'd stick in an otherwise good deck. Maybe, I, I don't know. Mm. Um, or, or again, we're over-attributing everything. Uh, that's also possible. Uh, and just weird stuff happens because it's, you know, a small sample size. I, I don't know. Uh, Metrop Metropolis Angel is hilarious to me because I mean that was a card that I always try to draft around, and the fact that mm. I it has well, I mean terrible. at least it was successful in terms of like the decks that you drafted around it yeah. were good decks because and Blue I White just... was a damn good deck. It just probably didn't require the Metropolis yeah. Angel. Right, I think we got there, so <laughs> we can look at the conclusions, and I think that I will focus on the conclusions for you. So. How did you find looking at your data in such a well? It, data, uh, your personal data is, is something very intimate, and and getting that strip bare in front of people might be weird because you get this mixture from oh, I learned something, but but why in such a way? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean it's I, I found it extremely informative. Um, I think probably the biggest takeaway is what you think you know about yourself versus maybe what you don't. I mean, some of those card win rates were very interesting, especially murder. I mean, more than anything else, murder was bizarre uh, and interesting and, and leaves me wondering if there's really something there with just needing to be a little bit more patient um, with the way that I play games when I have a card like murder. Um, uh, but, you know, really interesting. There's, there's clearly things you know about yourself. I mean, you know, the cards, you know, the cards you play, you know, the, the ordering of the colors kind of that you play, uh, you know, your general preferences and things like that. Um, but uh, it's interesting. I mean, I was way off on Illuminator Virtuoso. That was another one I was way off on. So, you know, your feel goods when you're playing Majestic Metamorphosis on Virtuoso on turn three or whatever, uh, you're not, you're just not forgetting the times when you got two for one. You're, you're just throwing that out, uh, throwing that out of your brain and, and forgetting it even happened apparently. So uh, uh, fascinating. So is there any other data that you would be interested in learning about yourself? So uh, are there any, especially that's a good question to you because you are a data savvy person. So uh, maybe you can find some other metrics I can incorporate. So my next guinea pig after the next format is going to be 
Hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a darn fine question. Um, there's nothing that I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, you, you've had a you have a fairly robust approach to to looking at you know from win rates to draft preferences to color preferences to mulliganing preference. I mean, you 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 kind of cover the whole gambit of of things out there. So I don't think there's like any gaping holes in this particular analysis. Um, don't worry. You can let me know later I'll, if you want. I'll, I'll, try, well. I'll, I'll think about that. I'll think about that some more for sure. And uh, as a user of uh, 17 Lens, which data sets would you find most useful from the ones that you just learned right now? I do think it would be interesting to have access to the, like your your the win rates of, of cars that you draft. I think it's dangerous in the sense that I think the average user is going to even like I said, the average user, but probably even us um, are going to over attribute like cause and and signal to those rather than noise. Like there's definitely noise in the murder uh, number. The question is, is it all is it all noise or is there some signal there? And yeah, yeah, I think I think that, you know, uh, even a degenerate person like clearly you are uh, that plays 120 something drafts uh, per format even with this kind of throughput it's not enough to to have like solid numbers for the win rates and we give them and uh, we show them because there is always something that you can potentially learn but I'm not saying that oh murder was just rubbish in that format because we have numbers from other people and uh, murder is not bad but we can say that maybe there is something into it and you instantly uh, fo- honed in on maybe I'm too trigger happy with murder, but uh, that doesn't mean that there is no some variance included in there. It's just like something that you maybe want to pay attention to rather than something that you should take like written in stone, our data is spoken, oh, come on. No, that yeah, of work. course. You, I know that you know it, it's more for the listeners. <laughs> I think you know one thing that you could potentially look at that would be interesting is like average converted mana cost of decks that people are playing, for example, um, or like curve, like average curve of a, a normal person's deck versus a core uh, or, or a two duck deck. Um, that there, there, that could be interesting um, to see if a player is more aggro or more, more, you know, has particular preferences yeah. in that fashion. Uh, obviously, that would be harder. In, in my defense, I, I tried that a lot of times, but every single set has something weird that costs. 12 mana, but in fact, because two mana, and how do I put oh, the curve then? The and butt. it's like, yeah, you know, no, that's, no, that's... It's, it's just, it's just wizard uh, modern design is very complicated in terms of. I have problems with even looking at powers and toughnesses because, uh, oh, this card has three sides now. So, uh, what is its power and toughness? How many cards does a shock kill? Do I count disrupted um, uh, spirits or only their front sides or also the tokens that they produce while they enter the battlefield? So yeah, it's it's just uh, no. It's, look, yeah, yeah. Before before I started doing data analysis for Magic, I had a full head of hair. Now look at me. <laughs> uh, how I mean, I again, this is another one that probably just be way too much work for the, the the output. But if you see a card like Murder, like did I play Murder on turn three way more often than average? But again, that's a lot of that's a lot of analysis for. Oh yeah, but that's that's where the replay data would be useful. It's just yeah, it is a lot of work to. If I had my hands on your replay data, data, I might have looked into those kind those kind of things. 
Yeah. Uh, like how often did you mulligan when you didn't see a two drop, for example? That 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 could all be done. Right, right, right. That's, of that's... course, I would need to spend a month on that, and the outcome would be a three minute second in the podcast. Yeah, no, which is all the joys of working with the limited data. There we go. Uh, so yeah. no, that I don't I don't have any suggestions that actually make sense for the time investment. Um... <laughs> well, yeah, that's um, well. Also, I, I'm I'm very very unwilling to invest a lot of time in things, so I, I might kill any ideas. Uh, but I would like to know as that. you should. I mean, the last question like, was more, you know, like yeah. what would you have? What would you? What would you like to have? For instance, as a feature in seventeen lines, would you like to see your win rates when you look at your? I, I do think that? personal win rates would be very interesting to have. Um, again, for for better or for worse, you know, there's going to be a lot of noise and and maybe not much, signal, but it's still interesting. It's still even if it doesn't have a ton of predictive value, it's still interesting. I have struggled when I drafted this card. Uh, the fight rigging one is super interesting just to know that I've, I haven't made, you know, I haven't, I haven't won when I've drafted fight rigging. Um, it, it's, it's at a minimum interesting. Um, whether it's predictive or not, we don't know. Um, so, and a two, I think like something on the draft, like the drafting preference side of like, what percentage of the time do you take this card versus what percentage of the time does the average player take the card? Uh, like mm. even just your average pick order for a card, um, you know, I take this on average. Your, what, your, your, I think it's ATA, average taken at. Yeah, average taken. Yeah. I think that yeah, that's... compared to the field would would also be a, you know, a, a cool one. And, and I don't know, like for, you know, um, 17 lands, if that's a lot of extra data storage or something like that, but... You well, know, that's not my business. I don't do the data to, storage or what. That's you know, I, you know, <laughs> it could could always do that, like on a seventeen lands premium or something. I don't know. Uh, now, now I'm giving Robert suggestions while he's not here. Uh, but um, something like that could be interesting to see your own personal game win rate um, data and and your draft preference data. Um, yeah, sure. that that that. Honestly, that the draft the draft preference sense. one is going to have signal in it. Like that one is straightforward. Like. Do like for example, I, I'm sure that like for little chat, I took it whatever, you know, at at you know X ATA and 45% of the time, and the average was like 10%. Okay, mm. well now I can evaluate like, okay, Carl, you just overrating this card, or is there a particular reason that you you are taking little chat so high? Um, and and if you pair that with win rate, and you see that your win rate is trash, well now now you know, well maybe maybe you're overrating the card. That is still laden with the um, uh, with danger. But yeah, maybe that's something to think about. People that uh, have over hundred drafts in a particular format, those data might be uh, uh, might be an idea yeah, get, to, get to make them drafts, available. You get those stats show up or something. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Oh, I think maybe even like when you have the top tier, middle tier, bottom tier, and you, and yeah. the same table appears with your data. Basically, that I think that's something that could be with like big red signs, like "Look, this is variance. A lot of variance." Yep. Uh, but okay. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you. Um, where can we find you more frequently? Well, first of all, thank you so much for doing this. I mean, you 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 put a lot of work into dissecting my data. I learned a ton from it. That was awesome. Um, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, it was extremely enlightening. Um, you know, for the most part, you can uh, the, the main thing that I'll, I'll plug, like I was earlier in the episode, is is mystical dispute at mysticaldispute.com, uh, my short form podcast with uh, Garrett Gardner. Um, you can find me on Twitter at uh, 2.cubed. I have not been streaming very much lately, uh, but when I do, I'm 2.cubed on Twitch. Uh, probably the next major set release, I'll, I'll, I'll begin streaming again. Uh, I'm, I don't think I'm going to be doing it with Baldur's Gate. So, 
Okay, great. And um, and we have to also thank the uh, the Seventeen Lands team who also took a bit of time to provide me with your data because I have to ask them for individual users' data. I don't have access to that kind of wizardry. Um, I only can get data from people that explicitly express their permission to use uh, their own personal data like Carl did and or like Alex did last time. So thanks to Viral Misnomer, Hululu, Grant Wu, and um, uh, ZTM. And also thanks to Fake Jake Brown, who's helping me to release it in the form of the podcast. And while we're at it, I would like to also thank to Mana Junkie and Asescu for the music that we have um, um, in the podcast itself. So this, you hopefully can find it later as a full podcast. And it will be also put on YouTube um, as a video if you want to catch up or if you just joined halfway through and you want to see uh, the game that we played with Carl or um, uh, what are his uh, drafting um, um, uh, behaviors that are different from other players. You can find it in the first half that will be made available on YouTube. And with that, thanks all for being here. And thank you, Carl, for being here. And thank see you, you next Thank week. you so much.